Hey, this is Dewey from Pure Pleasure on Jabberjaw Media. I wanted to tell you guys about the Patreon for the show. It's called the Pleasure Seekers Club, and there's two levels. There's the $5 level and the $10 level. And all this is, guys, is to help support the show, help support the cost of putting the show out, um, you know, time spent uh, building the show, hosting costs, travel costs to do the in-person interviews that you guys like so much. Um, it all costs money. And I always try to find the best deal for sure uh, because I do have a day job as well. But having that support on the Patreon is definitely going to help bring more in-person interviews, more travel, more uh, updated uh, graphics, hosting, websites, all that stuff. So, um, And if you like the show, $5 a month or $10 a month really helps out. I know it's kind of uh, an interesting thing with the Patreon when something's already free. Uh, but it is always going to be free. But if you want to support the show a little bit more, I'd absolutely appreciate it. Uh, you can pay either $5 or $10 a month. We'll try to do some special things for the patrons as well as we go. Um, but it's just a way to support the show in a different way. And uh, like I said, I really appreciate you guys coming back week after week. That's the most important thing I can ask for. So definitely go over and check out the Patreon. It's patreon.com slash Podcast. Once again, that is patreon.com slash Podcast. Sign up today and join the community and help out the show. Keep it growing. And I thank you so much. Hey, this is Emily White, host of the Interning 101 podcast, part of the Jabberjob Media Podcast Network. Interning 101 brings you interviews from everyone from execs who began as interns to what your dream jobs are looking for in interns. We'll be providing additional wisdom from myself, along with other entertainment and business professionals whose experience provide insights into the interning experience and beyond through a successful career. Listen and subscribe at jabberjobmedia.com. And thanks so much. What's going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of Peer Pleasure with Dewey Halpus on Jabberjaw Media. I am Dewey, your host with the most, bringing you more great content week after week. 
All right, guys, we have Devin Shelton. Devin Shelton from Emory on the prod on the <laughs> on the podcast today. I'm gonna leave that in there. You know what? Fuck it. I'm gonna leave that in there. That was funny. Uh, Devin Shelton from Emory on the show. This is the second of three episodes coming out today. Uh, we did one with Toby and one with Josh as well from Emory, and we're gonna say fuck it again and just put them all out at the same time. So you have three episodes to hear today. This is number two. Devin Shelton from Emory. All right. Uh, as I said before, the Emory guys have been friends uh, of the Anatomy of a Ghost guys, myself, and uh, since their early 2000s. And uh, Devin's always been an interesting guy. He always seemed like he was different than everybody else in the band. The band all had their personalities, but Devin had this like he had this soul to him. This uh, this R and B soul background uh, that was always fascinating to watch him try to do the music that Emory does because it wasn't that it was a stretch. It was just that it was. It seemed um, not quite his style, which was interesting because he brought this flavor to the band that made him unique. Um, and on this new record, White Line Fever, that Emery's putting out, uh, that I've listened to several times now, Devin's voice is unreal. The stuff he's hitting, uh, the the melodies he's using, his songwriting, it's all just the best they've ever done. And it's something that I, I think needs mentioning because, I mean... They've always been a great band, but Devin really uh, shines on this record, and I told him that in the interview. Um, and he's also, you know, lost a parent. Matt lost a parent as well, just like me. So we talk about that a bit, and and uh, it helps to talk to someone else that's been through that because it's uh, something you can't even describe to someone who does not understand um, what it what it means that e- that's everlasting weight that is on your chest uh, that you just can't get rid of uh, when you lose a parent. So, anyways, shout out to anyone out there struggling through that. You know, I know uh, had a few friends in the business lose parents as well, similar to the same time as I did. And and uh, I'm here if you need. Uh, definitely reach out. So, uh, big shout out to to uh, the Emory guys and Reva for setting this up. And uh, right on. Let's uh, take care of some business. So we are sponsored this month by Your Button Guy. Check out Your Button Guy at Instagram. Uh, get yourself some buttons, some pins. Super fast turnaround, great product, uh, buttons and magnets. It's pretty sweet. I got hooked up with them through Chris uh, from that one time on tour podcast. So shout out to Chris. All right, guys, go check out Nick at Thunderbolt Guitars. You can check out my Instagram stories and stuff and check out this guitar that he built for me. It's unreal. It's it's amazing. Hand done neck uh, made from aluminum, swamp ash body with hand wound P90 pickups uh, made here in Portland. A fantastic company. You're going to see them everywhere soon. And, uh, man, what a piece of art. So shout out to Nick at Thunderbolt Guitars. Hit him up on Instagram, the socials, and get yourself some gear. All right, guys. So without further ado, I'm going to jump into this episode with my buddy Devin Shelton from Emory.
What's up, Dewey? Devin, how are you, my man? Good. How you doing? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Sweet. Yeah, just a nice rainy day here in Portland. Pouring oh, yeah. Down well, rain. We, got, we, got, we got the opposite here for once. I mean, it's it's just now starting to get pretty warm, and today's, like, really nice out. So, Dude, man, I am – I. <laughs> I'm jealous because I'm back to work now. So like I, the weekends are like, all right, great. Hopefully it's a nice weekend. It's going to be garbage all weekend and hot all week. Oh yeah. So yeah, it's, know, that's a bummer. So what have you been doing as far as work? Have you been at home or are you still working or what? No, I've been, I've been out at work. I've been at work for hmm, three weeks now. I think we took two oh. weeks off and then, uh, they call us back because plumbing's essential. So they, but it's on a hotel. It's weird because the hotel is not an essential construction. And, oh, okay. uh, but they, they spun it in a way that made it seem like in legalese that we needed to get the building closed in and the system closed for yeah. contamination reasons, which you can't really contaminate a, a, a waste system. <laughs> right, right. That shit's just going to go down later. So like, it's not like it's the water, it's the, the waste system they didn't want open. So, uh, oh, okay. anyway, and then uh, I'm right over the river in Vancouver, Washington. So like, uh, uh, where I'm working from Portland. So Washington has of course, different rules and they opened right. up construction and Oregon didn't. So I don't know. Oh, I see. It's a whole yeah. mess. <laughs> it, it's, a, it's definitely a mess. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, well, uh, so do you need me to, you need me to record this? No. Oh, okay. No, cool. No, it's simple, man. It's simple. I I try to make it as easy on people as possible because I definitely appreciate the time. And then the the if, if people can just pick up a phone and or or if we're in person, I bring everything with me. So um, okay, perfect. Yeah, I keep forgetting this is your first time on the show. I guess it is. I, th I mean, I think you came out to one of our shows in Portland one time. I think you you talked to Matt while we were there, maybe or something. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I think so. I just talked to Toby the other day. And, oh, cool. uh, yeah, I think, I think we're going to do everybody and then release what them all you? on the same day. Oh, nice. At once. So it'll be like a blast of, you know, pick, choose your own adventure kind of thing. Oh, yeah, that's cool. <laughs> pick your favorite and start there and work your way down. <laughs> nice. Well, that's good. That'd be fun. Yeah. So Reva sent me the, the new record and it's incredible. And, um, oh, thanks, as I was telling, uh, I think I texted you and I texted Toby and I texted Matt and maybe Josh um, okay. just with my thoughts. Like it, it's a, I mean, it's an incredible record. I think it's your best work to date. And oh, man, thank you. Appreciate that's what I was telling Toby is I, I really think you guys are doing your best stuff now. I mean, I have the nostalgia piece from the uh -huh. old stuff when we were touring together and everything. But yeah, as far as, uh, you know, since then, I think this is your, I mean, this is it. Like this is, you guys really seems like found your stride and then, when it was explained to me that it was done in, in uh, like four pieces that uh -huh. made more sense because there's a, like a, uh, I think more of a progression throughout the record than normal. Yeah. yeah. And for, I mean, the big thing is your vocal performance is the best I've ever heard. Like I, I was like wow. shocked when I heard it and not shocked because <laughs> Hey, Devin yeah, I can it. sing. Of course you can sing, but the, I, I mean, the, that, the yeah. notes you were hitting and the, the melodies and the, the, all around like that was like the shining star through the record was was your vocals and you had a lot more than usual i think yeah yeah, yeah i did and uh so going back to 
when when you and I were touring together, like we were still kind of figuring everybody out, and you mm-hmm. know, you and so like Matt, of course, is very outspoken, right. and Toby, and then you were more a little more reserved. Joel was really reserved unless you got him opened up. So yeah, you yeah. and I, you and I, I remember, I don't remember where it was. It was on the East Coast, and we were on. I don't know if it was a day off or if it was before a show, but we were sitting out in this like kind of field area and you had an acoustic guitar and I came over just to chat because I mean you and I hadn't really just talked and I was yeah. curious like how you guys wrote music and things like that and you were talking about so like weeks end the songs on there that you uh-huh. sing primarily you wrote right so right. and I didn't know that I thought everything was written by you know one person two people so sure. you did like a playthrough on a couple of those songs and kind of showed me how your process worked um is that the same on this new record? Did you did the songs where you're primarily singing? Did you write those songs, or or was it more collective on everything? Yeah, I mean, it, Toby and I still work the same way. Uh, we we come up with most of the ideas for the songs, and I and and we don't live in the same town, so I mean, we're we're states apart. So um, usually, the way we have to do it is we'll we'll both just kind of come up with ideas send over voice memos to to each other and to Matt. And, um, and then it kind of just goes from there. Sometimes we can kind of complete the song on our own, uh, more or less, you know, through the whole form. Sometimes it, sometimes for me, I have like two really solid parts of a song and I'll kind of throw it over to Matt and say, Hey, what do you think about this? And he'll, he'll come up with some arrangements and things like that. And then I'll just finish it out, you know, with the vocals and, and everything. And so, it's still the same in that regard. Like we still write whatever we sing, we write and we try to incorporate each other in, in our, in all the songs as much as we can, if it makes sense. Um, but yeah, I mean, and, and nowadays, you know, since, you know, we're still writing during this quarantine time and, and we don't tour as much and live in different locations. It's, we rely a lot more on uh, communication of these ideas to, and make sure we kind of communicate over over the best over the phone or internet the best we can, so that the ideas are really clear before we move forward with them. You know. Yeah, yeah. And the 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 other thing I noticed too lyrically, it seems like things are a lot more specific and direct uh, than in the past. Like there's a lot less. Yeah. Um, they're a lot less vague. Like there, I mean, the, I mean, just like sure. like the two standout tracks immediately on the record were two thirty eight and this town. And or is it, is it this town? That's the first track on the yeah or, this town this yeah. town yeah okay that's the one where I started hearing like holy shit like De- De- Devin's hitting these notes like this is wild and then so like I will listen to it again before I went to the next track and then two thirty eight like the talking about Greer and all that like the whole story yeah. like it was very specific uh-huh. um, which I'm not yeah. used to hearing as much like there's, it seems to be very direct which was I liked it was really refreshing because like you're telling me a story and I can hear everything right. super And I was like, just like listening through it and it's just giving me, you know, all this information, which, but it was done in a really great way. So well, thank um, you. Yeah. Was that, and, and this, and I don't usually talk about records like this on the show, like with like direct, but these are things I wanted to know exactly because uh, sure, yeah. they stood out to me right away. But um, was that like a, a deliberate thing to do to, Hey, we're going to approach this more directly lyrically, or did it just kind of come out that way? 
Yeah, I, I mean, it was it was intentional. Um, I, I feel like our last record, Eve, at least some of my songs were a little bit more that way because I wrote a song about my mom passing away. It was pretty specific. Um, there's a few of those kind of ideas. Uh, but then on this record, when we decided uh, to write White Line Fever, we had a we had a very specific story in mind. And so um, when we created this thing that we have called Emory land, which is our own private uh, community of, of uh, supporters and all this stuff. And we did it a year ago. And before we <clears throat> launched it, we were already working on this album and uh, the EPs that we released last year. And so we basically had to decide more or less what's this album going to be about. And so we just kind of brainstormed and we just thought, you know what, it'd be really cool if we could just tell our story, like our origin story. And so we basically went back to South Carolina when the first, before the band even started, just kind of the whole, uh, our whole background and, and the ideals that we had and, and all this stuff. And it kind of led into the band and then moving to Seattle. And we, we kind of went through that whole progression of, um, how the band got started, the, the hangups that we had, the fears, the anxieties, uh, you know, of both being there and also of moving and, and just all that stuff. So yeah, it was really specific from, from the start. And when we decided to, um, kind of go in that direction, it became pretty easy for us to write based on specific, uh, experiences that we had from, from that time period, if that makes sense. So. Yeah, absolutely. That absolutely yeah. makes sense. And you guys just did, um, I mentioned it with Toby, but that, that was a couple episodes of break it down where you actually all got on the phone and went with Joel and, and, and Seth uh -huh. and got, went through the actual origin story of Emery, uh, yeah. which was yeah. awesome for me to listen to because I mean, I knew you guys at a very early time in that in Seattle, like that tour was fairly recent after you guys had moved there, I I believe. And, and had recorded oh, yeah, the yeah. records. So like, and I knew Emery as, with Seth and and Joel. Like that's uh -huh. that's how I knew you guys from touring together. Uh, right. We never toured together uh, with Dave or or uh, and and you guys had Josh too. But yeah, um, uh, yeah, it was just it was awesome to go back and hear the story of leaving you know leaving uh, North Carolina and having like and driving to Seattle and putting everything mm -hmm. together because we did we did a similar thing we we basically packed everything up after I turned 18 and moved to Portland from Alaska. So it was like, but we didn't, oh, yeah. we flew. And so, you know, saying goodbye to your folks and mm -hmm. uh, that moment you sit on the plane or in your case, the van uh, yeah. or the SUV, like that sinking feeling in your stomach, like shit, what am I, what am I doing? Like, <laughs> what did I get myself into? You know, like right. what now anything I need or, or have to do, I have to do it myself. Yep. And I can't just walk home or, you know, I'm going to be thousands of miles away. Right. It literally hit me the second I, I didn't tear up or anything like saying goodbye to my folks, driving to Anchorage, getting on the plane. But when I sat down and buckled my seat and they closed the door of the plane, then I broke down. Cause I was just like, this is, <laughs> yeah. it hit me, you know? Uh, yeah. There's a lot of that in emotion in that time where, you know, like we were so excited to do this. It was like our first, you know, big adventure, probably similar to you guys. And it was like, even though there was tons of, uh, of emotions, like sadness, cause we're leaving, leaving everything we knew, all the people we love, that was a, that was big, but, but the emotion of excitement 
up until like leaving was like overwhelming to us. And then, like you said, when you get down the road a little ways and you begin to, it starts to set in like, wait a second, I can't ask my mom or dad to help me with this, or I can't ask for 20 bucks, you know, when I'm stuck or whatever. So that became real. And then, but then you realize, okay, well, we got to depend on each other. It gives you a sense of responsibility and it makes you grow up pretty quick, you know? Yeah. You really find out what you're made of and the fact that you guys left what you guys left on nine 11, right? Yeah. Yeah. And did not know it was happening until what a restaurant, like a couple States over. Yeah. Yeah. We left at like 6am, 7am in the morning. So it was before it all happened. And then we, yeah, we stopped for breakfast an hour or two down the road and that's when, that's when it all started happening. So that was pretty wild, man. Man, I remember, and we had just moved to Portland. I was in our first house that we just finally moved into. Like we'd been in Portland a couple months, finally got a place. It had like just awful furniture, I think, but it wasn't even, there wasn't even furniture yet. Like it was, I was on the floor of the house. The guys were at work or something. And my mom called to turn the TV on. And I remember, so we had just gotten to our destination pretty close as you guys were leaving. So like, it's crazy that the same time period, of course, that's, that one of the wild. biggest yeah. events in the world, uh, in our world anyways, happening, but on the same time frame, it's just crazy. But that's, yeah, that's very weird. That's and, for sure. And I tell you what, like, and, and I know when you lost your mom, I, and I'm so sorry about that. And I lost my dad in September and oh, man, it, it makes you think back <laughs> Like, why did I leave at all? Like, I if I knew this was going to happen and how bad it was going to hurt, I probably would have stayed and just spent every <laughs> moment with my dad that I could sure, instead yeah. of leaving and then just calling on the phone. But he was so proud and happy to hear and oh, yeah. terrified at night wondering where we are and what town we were sleeping in the van. Are we sleeping wherever? Yeah. Uh, I mean, how – and I know you're you're there's no possible way you'll ever get over losing a parent, but – but real, just right off the bat, how did you process and work through losing your mom? Because I'm still working through losing my dad, and and uh, I yeah. just can't can't prepare for something like that. And I mean, did you go through? Uh, I mean, like, what did you go through processing that? Did you, how did you process that? If you don't mind me asking. No, not at all. Um, well, yeah, I mean. You know, I had been away from home for, you know, like, what, 17, 18 years, mm-hmm. and, you know, and then and then also some college. And so I was used to being away and uh, it, it was always difficult because I was close to my parents. But eventually, you know, it becomes relatively normal. You talk to your parents on the phone every few days or what, a couple times a week, you know, and just you, you want the best for them. You're trying to help them. They're trying to help you. And it's it's a it's, it's kind of a roller coaster of emotions at times. And my mom was always super protective and I spared her a lot of details of being on the road over the years, you know, cause it, it, it was tough for a long time. It was super fun, but in, in like a mother's eyes, it would have been like a nightmare, you know? So, <laughs> yes. um, but you know, and so she was real protective and worried a lot. So, um, over the years, I just kind of learned how to communicate with her in the best way possible for that stuff. And so, but, you know, it was pretty crazy because um, I was at so I used to work at, at a church and um, but I think I was just playing this one day um, 
four, three or four years ago. I, I didn't work there, but I was just playing music, helping out. And so I got a call at the church at like 7 a.m. And uh, it was my sister who said mom had had a heart attack and they they didn't have all the details, but she, all this stuff, you know, she was on her way to the hospital. She was still alive, mm-hmm. but there was, there was mixed, mixed um, information. And I was just kind of like, you know, what am I supposed to do? Cause I live about, you know, probably a 14 hour drive from there. So uh, I was just kind of waiting to see what I was supposed to do. And uh, anyway, eventually after a couple hours of them taking her to the hospital and she was on a ventilator and all this stuff, I was like, you know, I'm just going to take off. I'm just going to come down there. And I'm just going to drive. And so about two hours into my drive, um, they basically said, she's not going to make it, Devin, until you get here. And, uh, you know, we just want you to say goodbye over the phone. And so, so yeah, I did. I was driving down the interstate and I just cried my eyes out talking to my mom and uh, said goodbye to her over the phone. And um, they said... you know, they said that she hadn't opened her eyes really um, since, since they had been there with her. But they said that right after I said goodbye, she opened her eyes and then and then died right after that. Um, oh, my God. But just pretty, pretty crazy. And um, so and it was hard, man. I mean, especially initially, it's just like a 10 hour, 12 hour drive after that. You know, it's just like I, I cry every every 20 minutes and then be okay for a little while and cry again. And, Mm -hmm. um, but you know, the months following, um, it's just up and down, you know, I mean, you kind of, you know how it is. I mean, you kind of accept it sometimes and, and you remember the good stuff. And then one day you just think about calling your, your mom or your dad and you're like, and you realize you can't Mm -hmm. and it just hits you like, and then I just, you know, I would just break down or something. And so, yeah, it was, it was, a hard process. I mean, I think with my family and my kids, you know, it, it tends to help with some of those harder things going on uh, like that, because you have your, you have, I have something happening that's, I can't just take a break from, you know what I mean? So it's, it, that helped me kind of cope with it and seeing my kids and just knowing that my mom would love, love my kids and want is so proud of them and just that they're carrying on her legacy in a way. And so, it really helped me kind of transition into that, that era of not having my mom around. And, um, you know, it's in, in the same regard, you know, looking at my, at my dad after she's gone and trying to, and worrying about him and thinking about all that. It's, it's wild, man. When, when death kind of creeps into your family, um, Mm -hmm. things really change, you know, but I was able to write some songs about her and remember her. And that kind of gives me a little bit of closure as well, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And you think, and think too, like when, you know, all of our time comes, you have such a, uh, like just awesome catalog of music recorded that your kids can go back and listen to your voice and Uh listen to you sing and and listen to what you were singing about. And I mean, then there's so much material out there that they'll have to hold on to. I mean, do you have stuff like that from your mom or your dad, like, uh, home movies or like, uh, (laughs) Uh, did they did they document a lot of things or were they just kind of uh you know everyday people that just kind of went about things and didn't think yeah yeah they weren't really i mean they didn't personally document a whole lot of stuff i mean they were kind of uh you know old school in some regards because they just didn't grow up with that so it didn't become a it didn't become 
natural to them, you know, to record with a video camera or anything like that. And so, but luckily my, one of my older sisters, um, she was, she was the kind that would set up the video camera for four hours straight on Christmas day. You know, (laughs) you have to sift through like four hours of boring footage to see anything good happen. But, but I mean, I'm appreciative of that now because she, she gave us all these different, uh, family videos that we have now. And she kept all the pictures and, all that stuff. And, and even me personally, even after we got like cell phones with cameras, you know, some years ago, it was like, I have pictures and videos of my mom, you know, on Facebook and things like that. So that is helpful. And I'm glad that we were able to capture some of that, you know, for sure. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. Like our kids are going to have unlimited amount of stuff to, <laughs> to look back on. Yeah. It makes me, it makes me sad because like my dad was always one who would pull out the camera and take pictures of everything. And th- there was this look that we had right. and he'd pull it out <laughs> yeah. and he'd snap a picture of us looking at him with this disgust, like dad, come on. But the problem <laughs> is he was always behind the camera. So like he was yep. always taking the home videos and taking the pictures. So it's limited on what we have to go back to. And unless someone else right. was snapping the shots, but man, I, and I, people that have not lost a parent yet. I mean, it's it's rough but people that have like i feel for them now and i hear all that stuff hits me harder like you know and and when i heard you know matt had lost his mom and and yeah. it just went and then friends friends losing parents left and right it just hits yeah. you so much harder you know like it's this this scar that just keeps getting opened up but i think you know talking about it and and sharing stories about like how people got through it is is definitely helpful especially those that don't have kids, like I have, you know, my kids, my kids, my daughter did somehow knew what was going on. And when we were going to sit down and tell her, she just started plugging her ears and said, I don't want to know. I don't want to know. And oh, that yeah. I broke down. Cause I was just like, how does she know? Like we haven't talked about it. She knew Papa was in the hospital, but it was right. crazy. The amount of uh, introspection they have and, and uh, yeah. they know everything. It's crazy. And, yeah. Uh, kids, kids are smart, man. Oh my God. Well, take me back Devin, because Matt and Toby talk about all the time things that happened when they were kids and and all this uh-huh. stuff on their podcast. Like it's it's I know so much about Matt and Toby. Right. <laughs> I yeah. don't know your story of where you grew up and and what your family was like when you were little and 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 kind of walk me through that a little bit if you would. Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, I'm similar to those guys in a, in certain ways because we're from the same town. Uh, I knew Matt basically uh and he was a year younger than me but i knew him in school you know from basically like first second grade you know on we knew of each other became friends later on toby we met later because he went to a different high school but um same town you know toby and i especially are are from similar backgrounds like uh my dad was a preacher his grandpa was a preacher we grew up going to church three four five times a week um just that was kind of our life and um I had a good family. I mean, I, I, my parents were great. Um, you know, I was probably shielded from a lot of the past um, mistakes that, you know, w- that were made because my parents were married before to different people. And then they got married when uh, myself and my younger sister were uh, born after that. And so we have older siblings who are half siblings, but we're all relatively close. And um <clears throat> It wasn't until I got a little older that some of the old, you know, some of the past things came out that were a little, you know, a little shocking, but not like mm-hmm. nothing that would tear our family apart. It was just more being some of the younger 
kids in our family, uh, me and my younger sister, they, they just kind of kept all those things from us until we were older. And so, but you know, it was just more like, you know, when you're dumb, when you're young and dumb and my, my dad was an alcoholic growing up. Uh, I never really saw much of that. Um, he, he was, reco- he's recovered, but he, you know, he had a couple of lapses over the years, but, um, my mom was just a super sweet Southern lady, um, quiet, um, just reserved, but just, a, just a great, like, um, you know, mom and grandmother, what you could imagine a little mm. Southern, lady, a little Southern lady to be. My dad's kind of a tough, uh, kind of grizzled, you know, Southern man worked, worked his whole life since he was like 10, 12 years old, um, had a rough upbringing to some degree and, you know, just, but you know, he was a loving dad, super funny. Like if you ever met him, he's just one of the funniest guys you ever meet. And, um, you know, it, it was a good, it was a good upbringing. I mean, I don't have any real regrets about it. Um, you know, obviously as you get older, you kind of start to see some of the little minor things, um, in your parents that you didn't see when you're younger, you know, some of those, they become more real, you mm-hmm. know, not, not perfect in the way you kind of view them when you're a kid. And so, but all that stuff is, is normal and good to me. So, I mean, we've, we've resolved issues over the years. Um, we've dealt with issues over the years and I feel like they raised me well enough to be able to help them, um, as I got older and as they got older to kind of deal with some of those things too. And, um, so it's good. I mean, I'm, I'm super happy with how I was raised. I mean, in the South too is very different. Um, it's just a different culture, you know? I mean, it's, it's just, it's very different than Portland and, yeah, it really <laughs> and <is>. uh, Seattle. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, when we moved from South Carolina to Seattle, it was a pretty big, uh, pretty big shock, not only to us, but to people we met because they couldn't understand what we were saying. And, and, uh, you know, we were just, what to them, just a bunch of funny rednecks that came from out of nowhere. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it was, it was great. I mean, I love growing up there and now I've gotten to see, you know, the more of the world and, um, I feel like it's made me a pretty well-rounded person overall, hopefully. So, yeah, I I was joking with Toby the other day about how Matt would <laughs> the first, one of the first like real days of our tour together, uh, he gets out and he's like, man, I got to find me a bucks. And I was like, <laughs> a what? He's like a bucks, you know, a bucks. I was like, what's a buck starbucks and i was like oh a bucks okay I can't. and i was just like who are these guys like what is this and uh man yeah when we first when we first got to seattle probably for the first like six months there was multiple occasions where people thought we were like from australia it's like it's like no we're american what are you talking about it's like we're just from the south and they just could not understand it was like it was so funny Oh my God! From Australia, <laughs> <laughs> what did people in Australia think when you guys got down there? I don't know. I mean, I think I, I mean they they liked our southern accents, but I don't know if yeah. they thought we sounded like them or not. You know, man, is it is it? <laughs> I'll ask you this though: is there is there a a lot of guys have a thing for a southern accent on a woman, but do a lot uh-huh. of women have southern accent things for guys? Have you noticed that? Have you has a girl ever told you that she? loves your accent versus like, uh, you know, where a guy really likes an accent on a girl. Yeah. I mean, we had some, you know, probably some girls in, in Seattle that we first made friends with. They thought, you know, they thought it was, you know, somewhat cute or something, but I think ultimately 
it's like they think it's cute for a while and then eventually they, they just get annoyed with it you know <laughs> i love i love i absolutely love the south i i've yeah and that's one thing touring too you get to see all this stuff oh yeah and live it for a little while you know like uh -huh. we were driving through louisiana or and like people are actually on their porch rocking in the chair playing guitar like it looks like a movie but it's real yep. and like and yep. everyone moves a little slower drives a little slower you know the the food gets a little unhealthier like it's but it's <laughs> yeah. so good like the comfort uh -huh. food southern cooking i mean boiled peanuts to yep. to uh what's that really there's this really salty pork uh for breakfast and uh Oh, for breakfast? Yeah, for breakfast, like a, it's like almost like a, uh, a bacon, but it's not like it's ham, but it's super. Oh, pure. yeah, we, I think we just call it like, uh, is it just, it's just like a fried ham. Is that basically? Kind, I'm kind trying of, to think but it's like, super salty. Like it's, uh, amazingly salty, but it's I'm, delicious. Yeah, I know something. I'm trying to think. Yeah, you're right. We had a buddy, uh, that came up and stayed. Uh, we, uh well, he married. Excuse me. He married. Nick from Anatomy of a Ghost's uh, wife's sister, and they were staying with us for a minute. And he's like, "Man, I'm gonna cook you a a, a southern breakfast." They were from um, uh, oh, what's the town? I'm gonna uh, uh, North Carolina. Um, shoot, it just slipped my mind. The town, uh, yeah. Damn it, Nick lives there now. Uh, uh, North Carolina, <laughs> the big town. It's like on a co uh, close to the coast. Um, like Wilmington, Wilmington, yeah, oh, okay, from Wilmington, yeah. and uh, he, he like made these like drop biscuits and and this part he made like basically oh, yeah. like uh, biscuit sandwiches out of this stuff. And, oh uh, man, that's so good. Oh, I was like, I would not survive too many more <laughs> years if I lived in the South, but I would love every second of it. Like, oh it's, gosh, it's. I mean, you, we grew up just having. I mean, just you drink sweet tea like it's water. Yeah. I mean, yeah, and it's like the type of sweet tea that's like super sweet. It like gives you a headache if you drink too much of it. Yeah. And, and I mean, just biscuits for breakfast every day, gravy, you know, just like <laughs> unreal. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's so good, but like, yeah, you're right. I mean, you just, I would just die if I lived there. Yeah. It, but the funny part is like, I remember we showed up at your guys's, you guys lived like in the basement of someone's house or something like uh, uh -huh. all the, in like Maple Valley or something like that. Yeah. 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 And like, that's the first, so like Toby and maybe it was Joel. We're all talking about Atkins. They were doing Atkins at the time. Right. Cause Toby yeah. used to be bigger and then he was super skinny. And I think I remember playing a show with you guys at hell's kitchen in Tacoma before we did the tour. Yeah. Because I remember Toby being bigger, and then all of a sudden he's small. But you <laughs> yeah. were just ripped, like athlete ripped. And I was, <laughs> but you couldn't tell because you didn't dress like that. Like you didn't dress, which would show that off. But I think you had come out of the shower or something and had shorts on. And I was like, geez, like when you came, I was like, there's no way this boy's from the South eating food <laughs> like that. But that was the first I time know, I was man. like, wow, like rugby player. And uh, everyone <laughs> else just, is all uh, legs, like Matt. <laughs> yeah. I was always relatively thin, you know, in high school, fortunately. I mean, but – and then in college, I kind of started working out. And, I mean, I, I didn't eat great. I guess I had a good metabolism. But, I mean, you know, it definitely slowed down over the years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is, is your wife from, from the South as well, or is she from no, Illinois? No, she's from Illinois. Okay. She's from Illinois, yeah. It's Megan, right? 
Yeah, Megan. Megan. Yeah, I'm trying to remember Jess and Megan, and then yep. of course Bridget. We knew Bridget. We hung out with Bridget, uh-huh. but we never. We yep. only met your guys's uh, significant others once or twice on like right, random yeah. shows. So yeah, I was trying to remember. But did you? So do you? Do you guys cook that way for for your kids, or just every once in a while? Not really. Yeah, it's more of a treat. If we ever do anything, every once in a while, we'll make some. You know, I'll I'll make some a big breakfast or you know fried chicken or something like that. But that's kind of a kind of a once every now and then you know treat for me mostly. <laughs> they don't really care about it as much. <laughs> Man, that's uh, that's awesome. I yeah, yeah, I've I rarely my kids won't eat fish. I grew up on fish and stuff in Alaska, so like my kids won't oh, even yeah. touch fish. So I just, yeah, we just eat whatever. But if I had like that, that good soul food, Southern comfort oh, food, man. oh my God. Uh, I'm going to get really hungry if you keep talking like this. Um, <laughs> yeah, me too. So music, music for you then, you probably got into music through church for just being around music all the time. And uh, yeah, is that kind of what did it? Like you're just constantly around it. I was the same way when I was young and it was always like, there was always hymns and stuff going. And Oh yeah. I mean, yeah, my, my, my parents are both musical uh, my mom, she could sing, you know, and she would write lyrics and stuff like that early on. And uh, my dad could sing and play bass and, uh, you know, a little bit of everything, kind of just really musical. So I grew up, yeah, just kind of being around it. And then I would sing in church, you know, when I was super young. And then my dad would preach and I would I would go with him to what we called revivals. You know, it was like, a, out, you know, all these little super small country churches. And I would sing and he would preach and all this stuff. So we did that. I did that basically my whole childhood. So I, I was just all around it. Okay. And when did you yeah. discover that you could, I mean, that you could sing like you can? Um, I mean, you know, early on, like early on, I mean, you know, six, seven, eight years old is when I started being in like, the mute, you know, chorus classes in, in elementary school and things like that. And mostly just people and teachers would say, Oh, you have such a good voice, you know, just the normal, like, you know, reinforcement that pretty much anybody gets. And then, um, as I got into middle school, I kind of started singing in the chorus. It got a little bit more, you know, real and competitive, especially going into high school. But when I got into high school, I was in pretty much any chorus or jazz ensemble or whatever that I could be in for the most part. And, um, it, about towards the end of my high school career is when I started looking into schools and, um, going for music. And so I was able to get a, a decent little scholarship to a school in North Carolina called Winthrop, mm-hmm. right? Well, actually, I'm sorry, South Carolina is right outside of Charlotte, um, called Winthrop. And so that's where me and Matt eventually went and Toby went there too. And so, um, that's kind of where we just all kind of basically met up to start the band for the most part. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, I I knew I could sing early on, but then you get to college and I had to take voice. I had a voice teacher for five years, you know, voice lesson every week, you know, two or three different uh, choral ensembles. It was just my whole life was music and singing. And so that's where it got really competitive. Not like you're competing, but you know what I'm saying is everybody's good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, um, Yeah. So, my voice teacher was really great and he would, he was very honest and um, he was really fun and, and a great voice teacher, but he would pretty much like from the back, from the start, he was just like, Hey, you have a really pretty voice, but we're going to work on all the other stuff. So basically he was, he basically told me like, look, I know you're like the big fish in the little, little, you know, in the little pond back in, in your town, but 
you know, we need, we, we got a lot of stuff we need to work on to make you really good. So, um, and it was good. It was great. I mean, I learned so much from him over the, over the course of my college career and, and that was pretty much it. He set me on a journey to not look back, I guess. Have you ever, have you ever, uh, I'm not sure if you kept in touch with these people or anything, but have you ever played them an Emory record to show yeah, where I, you ended up? Yeah. My voice teacher, he, he, he died probably, let's say four or five years ago, I think now. Oh, okay. Um, he was old when I was there, he was already in almost in his sixties, I think. So he was getting older and close to retirement. So, um, but yeah, he, I think he had a poster of us on his wall in his in his um office and you know i would go visit him from time to time if we were back in south carolina mm-hmm. yeah, he was super he was super proud i mean he even though i didn't like seeing classical or opera style music which was kind of his thing he was super proud that we continued on he, he loved to hear the albums and all that stuff so that was really cool what did he think of the screaming because i watched those reaction <laughs> videos of vocal coaches watching like uh, metal singers and stuff or any kind of yeah. screen. They're just, they just cringe because they're like, no, don't ruin your voice. <laughs> I don't remember exactly what he said, but I do remember that he, he was like, look, if you're going to do this, just do it the way I taught you. <laughs> you know, like if you're going to sing, if you're going to sing rock music or pop music and, and yell and all this stuff, then you make sure you use your diaphragm, make sure you don't, don't blow your throat out, you know? Mm-hmm. So it was good. I mean, he, he, he was supportive regardless, you know? Man, so did he? Did he actually teach? He didn't actually teach you how to scream. You figured that out on your own. Oh yeah, yeah, okay. that was yeah. I mean, but I mean, we did use Toby and I did like utilize his his you know his teaching because you know a lot of the screaming that that would come in some of the in some hardcore music would be guttural uh-huh. or and but it wasn't until we started hearing some other screamers like like maybe Zayo and even like the Deftones and Mm -hmm. some other bands that had this high pitch scream refused was a big one to us. Mm -hmm. Um, This high pitch scream that was just way different. So we kind of learned how to scream out of our, um, we always refer to it as like out of our heads. Yeah. Yeah. So so it's more like head voice Mm -hmm. um, in in vocal terms. And so you don't, you're not blowing your throat out. You're more just kind of screaming really high in a head voice type of, way so that was kind of the way we adapted you know okay i kind of i kind of see that as like a like a different version of a falsetto where you're going to notes you can't necessarily hit with your irregular voice so you kind of in the same technique kind of doing that head voice uh with the screaming and that's one thing i think uh, what's that guy's name from atreyu um they would always do that he was almost almost like like dan from zeo it seems like he does, and I I don't remember if I asked him this or not when I talked to him last, but uh, where he would do like a a whisper track and a scream uh-huh. track together, yeah, and put them on the same. So it got that really breathy, uh, which, right. but it seems like yeah, it's like he's the same way, like through that uh that head voice kind of screaming from the the top instead of the 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 diaphragm where you're really pushing everything out. Um, yeah. And I mean, for, for people who scream, only scream and don't sing, you know, more or less, it's like, well, you just do whatever you do, whatever you want, but just as long as you can scream later, you know, Mm -hmm. but for Toby and I, it's like, well, if you're going to scream live, then you need to make sure you can sing after that. So we just had to always make sure that however we screamed that it didn't blow our voice out because we had, we had to sing way more than we screamed, you know? Yeah. Yeah. 
throw yeah. some of that throw some of those parts onto Josh or yeah uh, exactly yeah space it out a little bit well one thing one thing I'm curious about too Devin is is uh when you left Emory the when you left Emory um what did you do why did you leave for one and then when what did you do in the meantime was that when you're working for that church yeah so I left Emory uh in at the end of 2010 um and I left because we were going to have our first child mm-hmm. our, our daughter and so um I just, at the time I was like, you know what? I just think this is probably better for me to do just to stay home with my family. I don't know how it's going to be because it was our first child. And so I wanted to make sure I didn't like just make a bad decision, you know, yeah. for that. So um, I was just like, you know, and everybody was cool with it. You know, I mean, obviously it was hard uh, for the other guys, but they were supportive and they understood. And so, uh, yeah, I was just, I, I, Fortunately for me at the time when I stepped away within probably eight months, I was, I got a job at, at this church that we went to because I had a buddy who worked there. And so I pretty much, it was pretty, it was pretty seamless in regards to um, going straight into music elsewhere, mm-hmm. you know, so I didn't really have to learn much, anything really new to get me started into that. So I, it, it was a pretty easy transition Um, and so I did that for like four years and, um, we had two other kids and, and we had only, we had had one other uh, child in the meantime. And then I, I quit the church and then I went back with Emory when they were kind of touring less. I basically said, I mean, we used to always, we were always friends during the, my hiatus and everything. Mm And, um, but I was like, look, I, I would love to come back and, and do some shows, but I can't tour full time. I just can't do it anymore. So um, when they kind of got to where I was in that regard, then I was like, OK, well, if you guys can go out for a week at a time here and there, whatever we want to do, then I could probably do that. So that that's when they they finally got to that point. And then um, and it, it made sense for me to come back and, and tour with them again. Man, that's one of the that's one of the interesting things is I think the way you guys set up touring kind of, I don't know if it necessarily sparked. It's the first time I saw a band scale back and say, you know, we're going to go out for tour for 10 days, come home in the fall. We'll tour again for 10 days or, you know, two weeks, whatever. Yeah. And then like thrice started doing that. And then like all these bands like started to kind of either follow, maybe they were doing it first. I don't know, but you were one of the first ones I saw do that. And I'm like, that's kind of a, you can be fairly sustainable at doing that. Like you don't need to go out for six months, you know, oh, yeah, especially yeah. when you're established. I mean, and, and right. that's a luxury of being established as well. I mean, you guys put in your time and put in your, your, uh, paid your dues early on before kids. And now you can kind of, uh, not necessarily sit back, but be right. strategic on where you're going to tour, who you're going to tour with, you know, doing, uh the vip thing like it, uh-huh. it, was there any doubt in your mind when you left emory that they were going to continue uh or or did you think they would also kind of come around and say well i think we've had enough and go yeah i mean i probably i don't remember exactly but i think um you know in my mind at the time i probably assumed that it would kind of dwindle out not for any not for not because i wasn't there but just because, you know, we had been a band for quite a long time and it was like, okay, well, you know, this has been cool. You know, maybe we can do something here and there, but, and they were doing the bad Christian podcast and that was getting more popular. And Mm -hmm. I just thought, well, maybe this will overlap or whatever. 
Um, and so they, you know, they didn't. I mean, they, they, it definitely slowed down um, musically and touring. And then, and then when I came back, we just really started thinking through and discussing like, how can we make this sustainable? I mean, what what's what's uh, the best way for us to continue doing this as a band to be relatively successful, but not, you know, just not overwhelm ourselves with this and all the other stuff we have going on. And so we just were able to make it work. And I mean, even now, you know, there's still times where I'm like, well, I can't do that for 10 days and somebody else wants to. And so we still have to work through some issues here and there. Um, but mostly everybody's on the same page. And now we, we, you know, we're always trying to think of new ways to kind of redefine ourselves and, you know, kind of push, push the, uh, the boundaries of what, what bands do, you know? Sure. Sure. And that's, and that's one thing that's really been on the forefront always with, with Emory is, is, uh, I mean, the innovation, innovating, you know, through like how to sustain, you know, the band, how to, to stay relevant, how to, you know, provide new and different content, you know, from yeah. like different merch bundles or like with Emeryland, which is, yeah, I mean, Emeryland right. is an awesome idea. It's something like, um, uh, jo Jonah from far has a, has a website. Um, and he basically has a whole online community. Like you kind of join it. I don't know uh -huh. if it's a subscription based one, but you can join in and then you have access to everything. Like it's right there. And it's just this right, group yeah. of like-minded people, which is such a cool thing. And Emeryland similar to where like with the subscription, you get like a, a, a EP every three months or four months. And then yeah, yeah. you get all the stuff for like early, like the, the uh -huh. white line fever doesn't come out until June. What is it? June 10th. June. June fifth. June fifth. But they're getting it early, and they've got yeah. They've already they've had it for like two or three weeks. Oh, now, there so. you go. Okay, so yeah. I thought for some reason I thought Reba had mentioned that it was on in May, but um, well, we're gonna launch our pre order in May, and oh, that'll pre -order. be you know, okay. Yeah, that'll be for everybody else to order vinyl and do all that stuff. So yeah, but bringing yeah. it all in house, you guys have total control over everything. Yeah. You know, like that's something. That, if that million dollar deal came through, you may not have at this point. And oh, yeah, it may yeah. have ended already and you're still in debt. Right. Like so right. you guys are so smart about the way you went about this and, you know, making things so inclusive for everybody. Like if, if you're an Emory fan, you have so much material at your disposal, so much yeah. access to you guys, you know, through what Twitch and uh, the yeah. podcasts and the, I mean, oh, we're streaming this tonight or we're trying working on this. I mean, I wish, you know, and I've been an Emory fan since, since day one, since we toured together, since right before we toured together when we got the record. Yeah. That's never changed. But I wish a lot of my other favorite bands would put in the amount of work and give me the amount of content <laughs> that you guys do, because I would be, it'd just be in hog heaven, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it, it's such a cool thing. And, and I think that's really going to, save you guys through this this whole virus craziness um right. to not necessarily having to come back from it nothing ever stopped like you yeah push i mean right I, I think it. you're right i mean we've we've kind of prepared ourselves for something like this um i had a buddy uh of ours who's in a uh, actually is, is jt and he's in van hawthorne heights and uh we just we we've known them for a long time, and we recently did some uh, reunion not reunion anniversary tours with them. Mm -hmm. And so uh, he was making fun of us the whole time, like you guys can only do eight days at a time or whatever. 
and because they they tour all the time still and so because we were tra- i was like look if we're gonna do this we can only do like for this long and we can only do it for you know however many times and so and it worked out and it was great but he was making fun of us just you know as joking around and then a- after the quarantine kind of kicked in he's like you guys made this happen didn't you i know you guys were like <laughs> behind this i was like no but i mean you know We've just kind of been trying to, um, you know, stretch ourselves to the point at, that we're kind of adaptable to anything. You know what I mean? So and that's what, uh, like you said, Emeryland kind of does for us is like we have we know that we're not the biggest band in the world and we're not going to ever be the biggest band. And that's fine. We don't we don't need to be. But we have thousands of loyal fans who will pretty much support us no matter what. And so we want to make sure that we just take care of those fans Mm-hmm. as be- as best we can and so that's what Emeryland is that's you know they like you said they get music every every few months they get the album super early they get exclusive merch they get all these different things and um they seem to really enjoy it we're trying to make it better you know at, every day you know we're trying to just improve it more and more and and now we're doing this um streaming show every sunday night called are you listening and it's uh Basically, what we're doing is we'll play some live songs. We, we, we love doing comedy stuff just because it's fun. Mm-hmm. And we'll do some little comedy bits. And then we'll have guests on. Like we had Dave Elkins from May last week. We've got Corey from Norma Jean this week. So just, you know, we're just trying to keep things rolling. You know, let people who are stuck at home, you know, you know, enjoy have something to watch and enjoy. Just like everybody's kind of doing right now. But we're just trying to make ours uh, a little bit more consistent and hopefully – um, can last, you know, long-term. Yeah. Has there, has there been, I mean, and has there been talk of, and maybe this has already happened. I have not heard of it, but like an Emory app where like, um, the, the, my kids love watching those fail videos on YouTube. Uh-huh, um, yeah. but the fail army has an app now that you can put on your Apple TV and then all their content just goes onto that. Um, oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. I didn't know if you guys had thought of doing something like that, but, uh, yeah, you that, that would be awesome. Yeah, just on we the haven't. Front. Yeah, we haven't looked into it, but that's that's a cool idea for sure. I mean, it'd be nice to have everything all in one location for people. But yeah, yeah, like uh, transcriptions and stuff like that. Uh, oh yeah, what's that company? Sheet Sheet happens like does all the uh-huh. guitar transcriptions. If you had all the yeah. like like the real tabs on there and like all, I mean, just you're basically giving everything away anyway to people, just giving them full access. I mean, oh yeah. Uh, Man, that's killer. So, um, uh, man, my mind just went blank. I was just oh, thinking. No, of, I was just thinking of something I wanted to ask you about. But, um, yeah. The, so, so you've got that. You've got the. You've got the the streamo show, which I love the name of that. I've been saying cut cutting up uh, ever oh, since yeah. I talked to Toby. <laughs> it, it, it's, I swear, it just gets yeah, it gets in my head, and uh, yeah. yeah, I'll. I'll be talking to somebody about whatever and oh yeah, we were just, uh, we were just cutting up for a bit when we're, you know, like they're like cutting up. What are you talking about? Like, you know, we're just conversing, you know, having a conversation, you know, just, just shooting the shit and (laughs) cutting up. Did you just say cutting up really at work? A couple guys are like, I haven't heard that in so long. Anyway, but I love, I love how infectious you guys are. Like, like no pun intended with what's going on right now, but the, sure, your yeah. personalities and uh you know like matt matt said once oh this is what i was thinking of is uh when we first started when i first started this podcast he's mm-hmm. like dude don't even worry about how many people are listening you know worry about 
who's listening. You never know who's listening. He said, if there is 50 people, say your podcast gets 50 downloads, which is, is if you look at it from a number standpoint, it's like, Oh great. That's a fail. Um, (laughs) but he said, imagine walking out your back door and there's 50 people in your backyard standing Mm -hmm. there waiting for you to tell them something. Right. That's how you got to look at it. And I was like, man, that really puts things in perspective. And then Mm -hmm. it's the whole thing with, you never know who's listening. Like the people that have reached out to me through the show and either asked to come on or told me they listened to the show are some people that I've been listening to and either listening to, or even idols of mine growing up. They're just like, Oh yeah, I love the show. Like, like Wes, excuse me. You know, uh, you don't know who's listening. So the fact that you give everything to that. And the other thing I was going to ask you, I'm going all over the place here, but you said you guys aren't the biggest band in the world and won't be, would you want to be the biggest band in the world? Would you want what comes with that? Do you think truly, or, I mean, I don't think, think so. No, like you said, like you referred to earlier. I mean, if we, if things are going a different way for us early on, I mean, like you said, we probably wouldn't be where we are now. So, I mean, I think us, you know, going through ups and downs over the years, you know, fighting, you know, through obstacles, uh, whatever those are, I mean, that, that's what makes us, um, you know, stronger. I mean, that's what makes us more, you know, lasting. And so, um, yeah, I don't, I don't think if we were, had been or ever would, were the biggest band, then I don't know if we would have the longevity that we have, you know? Yeah. And you guys are the biggest band in the world to a lot of people. Yeah, you know? you're right. Like you're the right. best yeah. band in the world. There's no band that comes before Emory to a lot yep. of people. Yep. You know, uh, that last show you guys did at the Analog Cafe that I went to where Matt and I did our episode, there uh-huh. was a guy in the crowd that that like came, we were sitting next to each other and, and because uh, I usually, when you guys come to town, I'll come hang out and I'll sit through the VIPs or help take pictures or something uh, and try to help out. And he's from Alaska and he flew down, oh, cool. got a hotel room and everything for the show to see you guys oh wow you know like people do that that's crazy like not not crazy but it's cool to think about someone that will put their life on hold like so you put your life on hold to go on tour for eight days right like kids know you're gonna be gone wife knows you're gonna be gone work knows you're gonna be gone whatever you do that but at the same time you're doing that other people in the world are putting their life and priorities on hold to come watch what you do right somewhere else it is the craziest and coolest feeling you know like but it's it's if you think about it that way i mean it's the impact that you have i'm gonna go play these you know 10 songs in portland and because i'm doing that so and so people are you know getting babysitters buying plane tickets like paying to get to an airport to then come and stay in a hotel to watch me do this yeah i mean you're one of the luckiest people in the world man oh for sure and then you get to go home to your awesome family right yep. who is also yep. probably stoked that you get to do what you want to do but you're still doing it in a way that you're around and you're oh, with yeah. them you know yeah you're absolutely right yeah dude i mean it's the that's the ultimate win right there yep. you know? <laughs> yeah you've right. got it i mean it, things are going to happen bad things are going to happen to everybody around us and and to us but at the end of the day i mean you've you've won my friend oh yeah say that. i told Totally agree. And I am so, and I'm, I'm so thankful and glad that we've known each other for so long and, and, uh, been able to, cut, too, yeah. you know, cut up like this and have, like, <laughs> a, you know, have conversation this many years later, 
you know, after, you know, chatting in that field and, and watching you play guitar and, and, uh, you know, just, I really am, am so happy with where you guys have, have ended up, you know, at this point. And thanks, dude. I appreciate that, man. It's it's so cool. And, and the album is amazing. Um, Thank I think you. people are really going to dig it. I know that my Instagram has been like Emery, Emery land. Well, no pun intended Emery land because all the stories <laughs> are people posting, uh, the new song, like, and, and, yeah. and like yeah. commenting on it. And it's so yeah. anytime I go through the stories, even before this interview, like, uh, or this conversation, like Emery, 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 like boom, 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 boom fire, fire, fire. <laughs> it's going to be awesome. And, uh, awesome, man. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, man. Is there anything else uh, that Reva has for you to plug on here? I know Toby had a few things, but it was mainly the the yeah. Streamo show. And and go ahead and do that because I I want to I want to get that out there as well. Yeah, yeah. A few things. I mean, uh, the, and we've kind of talked about it a little bit, but yeah, we do every Sunday night at seven thirty Eastern. We do uh, our streaming show. Are you listening? Uh, we have some cool guests. We're making these collaborations with them. We're Matt's recording like two or three tr- instrument tracks and then the, they're singing. And so it's kind of a cool collaboration we're doing with, with these bands. We have some fun bands coming up. Um, we got a pre-order for our new album coming up on May 7th. You can get vinyl, CDs, shirts, whatever. The new album will be out on June 5th. Uh, we're releasing a single every Friday, I think, between now and then. So there'll be a lot of more, a lot more music coming out. And then, um, yeah, if, if your listeners want to pre-order once it starts in a week from now, uh, if they use the code peer, ple- peer pleasure, then they'll get 10% off their pre-order. So if anybody who are Emory fans listen to your podcast, then feel free to use peer pleasure and get a little discount as well. Awesome, my friend. Well, Devin, this has been awesome, man. I've had you on an hour and uh, yeah. I, dude, I appreciate the time. I know it's hard to get away, especially on a weekend, but uh, yeah. Yeah. Thanks for having me, dude. I appreciate Absolutely, it. Absolutely, man. man. Anytime, anytime you want to come back, talk about whatever, or, or uh, you know, just hit me up like usual awesome. if you got anything to talk about. Um, yeah. But yeah, dude, thank you so much, buddy. Awesome, dude. Yeah. Good talking to you, man. All right. Take care. Have a good rest of your okay. weekend. Yeah. You too. Bye. All Bye-bye. right, guys. I hope you enjoyed that episode with Devin Shelton from Emory, my old buddy from back in the day, early 2000s, the sweetest guy ever. The soulful, soulful R&B soul of Emery. Um, <laughs> anyways, big shout out to uh, Reva again for setting this up. We we're going to try to do all five members of Emery and release them all on the same day. But guys, I am so fucking busy. I just was not able to do it in time. And I know Matt Carter's already been on. I still got to do Dave. But this gets everybody else on except for Dave. And, and uh, sorry about that, Dave. We'll get that you know arranged soon. Uh, Matt and Dave are both up in Seattle, which is close to me. So we'll probably, once this quarantine's over, do something in person because I, I really prefer that to the phone. And, and, you know, it's not always possible, but when it is, I love to do it. So uh, check out purepleasurepodcast.com. That's the website. Uh, check out, uh, well, don't check out. Send me a line. Drop me a line. Send me an email. Uh, purepleasurepod at gmail.com. Give me any guest ideas you have, questions, uh, comments on the show. I just want to reach out and chat whatever hit me up and uh as always guys we'll see you on the radio
Are you enjoying the show? If you are, definitely head over to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, anywhere you're listening to podcasts, wherever you're listening to this podcast right now. Throw us a five-star rating or a review. We really appreciate that. It helps the show out big time. So like I said, if you are enjoying the show, head on over and give us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you consume podcasts. Thank you.